Welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. We're going to jump right into this one. Fern and I worked together last weekend. We were in Largo, Florida, and our good buddy Dottie Forbes was working with us, as well as Jenny Orr, but she was not willing to hop on the podcast. But Donnie Forbes sat down with us. We sat in the lobby of the hotel that we were in, so you hear some kids screaming, some people getting coffee, some noise. You know, Donnie got easily distracted, but ultimately it was a really fun discussion. We did some Q&A. We put it out there on social media that we'd be together, and we got some great questions, so we appreciate those coming in. And we did our best to answer as many as we could. We gave you a shout-out if we answered your question. So if we answered your question, please feel free to share this episode, give us a review, whatever it takes to spread the word of best hour of the day we are willing to do. But we hope you enjoy this, and we're going to do more Q&As because ultimately we want to give back to you guys. If you have questions for us, Feel free to reach out on Instagram at best hour of their day. Shoot me an email any way you want. We're happy to help and we're excited and hope you enjoy this question and answer episode. Welcome back. Why? Why is <laughs> to the best hour of their day? Were, we, is... were we on already? Yeah, yeah no, no, we're live. We're, we're back. Live, now. You know, we're, we're, back. we're back, even though we were never, we, we were never gone. Yeah. <laughs> We always say welcome back. We always say welcome back. Because we're welcoming people back to the show. Welcome Today, back different, to the different, better hour yeah, of yeah. So, your day. Yeah, we have our guest on the show today. And this is the first show we've actually done in person. So this is our first in-person in, Yeah, first in-person recording. show. And we have Mr. Donnie Forbes, who is the host of the Better Hour of Their Day podcast, which will be coming out soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> the greatest hour of your day. Um, Let's give Donnie a little yeah. introduction. All right, so uh, for those of you who do not know who Donnie Forbes is. Donnie is a six-year member of the Level 1, Level 2 seminar staff, uh, Army veteran, former firefighter, has owned two affiliates, uh, well over 200 seminars underneath your belt. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, almost, um, I think 300. Oh, 300? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm right there, yeah. Okay, cool. So so no shortage of, uh, of experience with regard to coaching. God, Again, two affiliates. And... Uh, <laughs> And we are all working a level one this weekend together. So. In Largo. In Largo. Mm. And for the record, Fern and Donnie had sake. Donnie had a lot of sake. I had a little bit of sake. <laughs> and yeah. I'm twice your size. And I just well, had a lot of sushi. Do, by the way. <laughs> for the record, the waiter said to me, that was impressive how much sushi, sushi I ate. Yeah, he was trying to make it feel good. He was. Yeah, he was flirting with you. I felt he that. He ate six pieces of sushi. Right. <laughs> so, he ate your macros. Earlier in the day... We post on all social media platforms mm. to ask us questions because between the three of us, we have over eight affiliates. Mm. We've sold them. Donnie and Fern have military experience. Donnie, firefighter at one point. Mm. So we're gonna we're gonna ask these questions and we're gonna answer them. And I'll do my best to give shout outs. A lot of them are coming from handles. So this first one is from Guccione Five. His name is Nick. Okay. Nick Guccione. So, his question. What should the attendance cap be per class, and at what point should you consider adding a class? For instance, our 5.30 class consistently has 12 people in it. 6.30 p.m. class is 6 to 8. Should we add a 4.30 in the future or switch the time to 5 and 6 p.m.? So, we did discuss a little bit about this in class sizes, but... Let's have Donnie answer first yep. since he's our guest and we've not heard your opinion on this matter before. Sure. Um, I think the, there's a couple of factors that you have to keep in mind. One being your skill set, i.e. what's the ratio that you believe that you can give a quality product to your athletes, actually give them the product of CrossFit effectively. Um, is that one-on-one? -on -one? Is that one-on-five? Is it one-on-ten? And that's kind of a honest conversation that you're going to have to have with yourself and, and possibly if you're the owner have with your coaches i think after that it's um i don't think a ratio of you know one on five one on eight is necessarily uh the time and place to add another class um he's not he's yeah. not suggesting to reduce it to one class is he no no he's definitely not saying do less he's, he's adding one. yeah adding he's basically one. saying should i add a 430 so i have 430 530 630 or, and this is something people don't think about, 
Can we switch? If I switch from five thirty six thirty to five six, would the classes be better balanced? I th- I think it's you know yeah, obviously some data analytics stuff there to see what market you need to hit, but. You know, you risk if you add a third class and you only have, let's see, over that coverage an average of what it sounded like 10 to 12 people per those two yeah. classes, you risk now I have two people per class, potentially one person in a class. So you risk the camaraderie that makes CrossFit so effective and so amazing. Um, I, I just don't think it's necessary at, at this time. Um, and also you put another strain from an owner's perspective. Now I have to pay a coach potentially i have to run that class that's later if nobody shows up um one of the things i would recommend is maybe just run a survey run a poll as to hey is a five and six better serving my community than a four thirty five thirty um and see if you can capture more of that audience so let me throw a follow-up question on this from me we talked about class sizes at what point do we balance class size with effective coaching and experience of the class because I agree with you. You can get so small and such a good ratio of coaches to athletes, but all of a sudden the fun is gone. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that, Fern? Here's what I, here's what I think. I think you're not married to that decision either way. So I think if you want to try it, it's not set in stone. So it's not like you go from a 5 you want to play around with the idea of a five and six, and then that's forever. If you do a five and six for a month and it's a disaster, well, the beauty of owning a business is you can just switch it back because it's yours, right? But if you get a lot of feedback and you feel like you're justified in making the switch, then make the switch. Um, But again, a lot of that stuff needs to be based on, like what Donnie said, some analytics. But the experience of the class, I think, does have a little bit to do with it, like what those athletes' experience level is and and – how much kind of TLC you need to give those folks. You know, like if, if, if you say the word snatch and people, you know, again, don't know what you're talking about. Like that's a different, it's a different ball game. Mm. All right, let's move on to question two. Okay. Lady P underscore. And it looks like her box is orchard Valley CrossFit. My gym is 10 months old. We have 110 members and have grown completely organically. We're having a blast. We aren't open on Sundays for our own sanity. We both have jobs outside of the box. When do you know the right time is? A few people have asked, but I know it's always harder to take something away if there's low attendance, etc. For reference, we have two other coaches plus the two of us. So she's basically asking, when should I open my box on Sundays? What do you think, Donnie? You're a religious man. I don't think it, you know, like... Praise the Lord. First of all, <laughs> it's going to be the best hour of your day. But I, I think what I definitely throw into that system is like if the needle is moving in the direction that I want it to, she's talking about the success rate, 110 members, congrats to you, M. That's a Which big is, deal. Um, you know, I think it's great. You know, uh, uh, like, I mean, like that is awesome. Why change it? You know, like it would like if you're bursting at the seams, kind of carry piggyback on the other guy's question. If you're bursting at the seams where it's like, holy smokes, I've got 20 plus people a class. It's time to add yeah. a new class. Same thing for her. If there's people just, you know, waiting outside and camping outside the doors on sun, you know, Saturday to get in there on Sunday. But if you're growing that much and they understand that that you having some time off is giving them a better product Monday through Saturday. I don't see the reason to change it. If there were people running out their door and like, hey, I got to leave because I'm not getting what I need, but I don't see that's the problem for her. I say keep the system as it is until there a change is needed. Yeah, I think you're going to own a box. You have to have balance in your life and a day off. Even, even if you put other coaches on, all of a sudden you're open on that day. Your coach will call oh, out. Yeah. Someone will be sick. An emergency happens. You get brought into the box. And And secondly, I would say... That's not doing anything to make your Saturday or Monday classes more quiet. People will still show up Monday. So adding that extra day is basically just an extra day. And, I'm, right. and I'm, I can only assume that that Sunday is going to be an open gym. Generally. Yeah. Generally it is. So more often than not, that's usually, and I, I'm assuming that, right? So it might not, she might be running classes. But again, most people who do that, like it's an open gym time slot, which begs the question of like, Why? Exactly. Like why? Why do it? To jump in there for I we we run this, an open gym and we're getting ready to get rid of it. I feel like the Sunday class is like the puppy that your significant other brought home that you don't damn want. 
And let me let me let me dig into this analysis or this analogy because it's the class that you didn't want to do that your members quasi want. Correct. Maybe they want to show up, maybe they don't. Maybe there's one Sunday that the football game wasn't on and they didn't get to come do their workout. And then it becomes this responsibility that is now yours. Yeah. And you have to be there every Sunday, whether it's an open gym or not. And again, I don't want to clean up after your dog, Jason. I don't. We're on the analogy. Even though I love you. Even though I love you. This is the end. But, and, no, no, that's a good point, though. And I also think, as a box owner, sometimes you need to force your members to have balance. Why don't you want to take Sunday off? I also think uh, context matters, right? So understanding that, like, in general, so this is my experience, and you guys can both chime in here. In my experience, like, this scenario of... So I love this, right? The coach would be like, hey, the members want this. And I'm like, I need you to clarify who the members is, right? Mm. In air quotes, right? Is the members the one whiny client who wants open gym on Sunday? Because that's not the members. That's Sally. And that doesn't justify opening the gym for another right. 52 days a year. Because right? Like that's a big deal. So Because you work at a you know some shift job that you're the one member that has the Sunday, you know, only the Sunday off, you know. I would figure out a different way to do that. So, like, could you offer open hours, open gym hours during the week, right? So, we're getting ready to take away open gym, but we're on Sundays, but we're going to add open gym during the week. When so, you're already in and out anyway, so correct. it's not as if you're dragging yourself deal. out and on now I, And now I get to relieve the team of 52 days of work, which is a big deal to your team. And it's a big deal to you. You own a business? If you don't force those days off, you'll wind up working mm-hmm. 365. All right. Cody Bradbourne, my man, Cody, asks. I just did his, uh, no, he just did his level two, and I just saw him at the Two Brain Summit. Good Is dude. that where you saw him? Yeah, good, yep, good, good dude. dude. He's a Cody's hot as shit and a good athlete. You know? Yeah. And he no, he's, of, uh, he's a handsome guy. He's yeah, a, yeah, he's, he's a, a fit kid. Yeah, out of Charlotte. CrossFit Mountain Island. Mountain Hell Island. yeah, yep. great dude. All right, well, he didn't even know, well, he knew you'd be on here because we mentioned your name, but he says, if you can pick one personal attribute when hiring a coach, what would it be? Oh, this is a good one to hear. I should take it. Or you take it. Want it no, take it. But it's interesting because you brought that up because uh, Cassie and I just did. Uh, we just did an, an interview with a guy um, who's coming, who's looking for work coming from Japan. But I'll let you go with that, and I'll tell you what we talked about. What you got, Donnie? Um, yeah, I'm a little bit busy texting right now. Um, but uh, no. uh, for Cody's question, I think, uh, and I, I, I want to say that Cody and I may have chatted about this, uh, maybe not, but I feel like those intangible things that I, I can't teach, uh, you know, I can teach you how to teach, see, and correct, get the product of CrossFit. I can, I can teach you those things. What I can't teach are those interpersonal skills that potentially someone like that waiter that uh, hotel service, you know, member, that uh, concierge, that person that just has that it factor, those things I can't teach. And those are the things I used to try to recruit the teachers, the, again, the waiters, the bartenders that just like, man, can I sit here and talk to this person for hours? That is the person that we can educate and I can make, I can help them reach the point but they care about people and they care about service and those things are what you need in a crossfit gym and that's what i would hold at a premium more so than who looked good in the corner drinking a bang and doing a damn clean and jerk in some booty shorts what would you say friend I don't know that I could add to that. By the way, we're recording this in a hotel lobby. So if you hear hear kids kids, running around, it's not worth punishing people. For me, it's always been teammate first, coach second. Because the reality is like, I don't know, you guys probably agree. Like I can, I can teach you, I can teach you where to look and what to say and how to evaluate movement. I can't make you not an asshole. Like I can't, I can't help you with that. Yeah. I'm going to go with, one of our former topics, empathy. You know, yeah. it's all really the same thing, but I can tell right away if you're going to be able to relate to Susie, like you can relate to the top athlete. And if, I mean, Susie's paying our bills, you know, the, mm-hmm. the best of the best are not. The handful of people that are trying to make competitions a part of their life are not the people that are paying the bills. Yeah, the one percenters, yeah. The one percenters. Yeah. All right, Joe Thede from... Nearby, he's actually in Tampa. He says, if you had only one minute 
This is going to be hard for Donnie. Well, hold, up now, hold up now, Joe. If you're in the area, where that party at? Joe? Come on. <laughs> if you had only one minute to tell an affiliate owner the key to running a successful box, what would you tell them? Oh, shit. Okay. That's such a loaded. That's such a, a loaded that's question. That's what we. That's what we take here on oh, best man. hour of their day. This is this is the greatest hour. They, what was? What is the greatest thing? I one minute to tell an affiliate owner the key to running a successful box is to have an. Uh, you know, I, I think for longevity, have an honest conversation with yourself, with your spouse, with your significant other, whatever that talk is. It could be internally. It could be, like I said, again, a lot of times it's with a significant other or a partner about what your roles and responsibilities should actually look like and what you're willing to undertake. We've already talked about coming in on a Sunday when you don't want to because ultimately it falls under you. Everything that Jim does or fails to do is on you. And what are you prepared to do and sacrifice, whether it be kids, whether it be relationships, whether it be another career, what are you prepared to do to make it successful? I like that. That was only 40 seconds. That's what I'm here to do. Yeah. The greatest hour of your day. (laughs) The better hour. The the best hour. The better hour of your day. I would say in one minute or less how to run a successful box. You got to show up. You got to care. You have to have a strong work ethic and you should start small. You know, just like we're talked about earlier you can always add it's very hard to take away is it realistically to start small anymore though bro i'll throw that wrinkle in at you i think that's a fair i think that's a fair question i think it depends i think like i don't like when you and i started jason i started in a closet in my mom's basement no i didn't but it was it felt like that you know it was 800 square feet is what we started that's what i started with exactly what i started with it was tight and you know i i don't know if that's and we were talking about the four by four post and the galvanized screw in beams for the pull up bar and the stall. I just don't, you know, how realistic is that? You know, I think small is relative. So I don't think you need to start at 800 square feet. And I also don't think just because you're starting small means you're starting cheap, get a, get a rogue rig, you know, for that small space. But point is give yourself an opportunity. Yes. Give yourself an opportunity and ideally in a place where you can expand. Okay. So if you get an 800 square foot spot that's next to another 800 square foot spot like I had, and I can just easily expand, that's ideal. That's probably not common. But maybe the strip mall that you want to rent in Mm. has a bigger lot, a few, you know, bays down that you can switch or that you can grow into. Point is, I think rent's going to be your hardest obstacle to overcome. Agreed. So you want to keep that number small. And you can add classes, you can be smart about your programming, but you can't make your rent cheaper if it's expensive. Well, and and to to that point, Jason, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and Fern and I have talked about this. If I was to do it again, and I think you and I have even had this conversation, it's like, I would have to own the building. You know, that's such a key, I mean, like, that's going down a rabbit hole, bro, but I mean, it's like, let's be honest, I was like, that is your biggest woe, it's like... Like, is this guy going to jack me up? Is inflation going to take this lease to the roof? Like, what, you know, depending on on what your rent is, 3% annually is a couple hundred bucks. I I interviewed somebody recently. We haven't played his episode yet. Adam Tarr, Northport CrossFit. He owns his own building. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the McDonald's method, right? The McDonald's model. Where they, it was all I mean, about just owning to throw the some property. random numbers out here. If I owned my building, I would get a hundred thousand dollars back because that building has multiple tenants and I would not have to pay rent, but I would get a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, back I mean, look at that. It's not even just about the building for your own rent, but for maybe it's a bigger unit so you can rent to other people. You're making now you have a secondary income. If yep. if the business closes for some reason, you have the building. Yeah, you can. You have an asset. So an now asset. is it? And now is it? You know, to that to that person, is it thinking not in just the next three years, the next thirty years? Yeah. You know, and and that long term game of like the same way we look at fitness and not a short term, but a long load trajectory for fitness and health. Do we start to kind of look at the you know? The professional growth in that type of situation too, where yeah. it's like, hey man, should I maybe take a couple of years, save mm-hmm. money, and try to buy a facility? Am I going to be better served doing that? So that, so I'm the king of going too fast. I do everything too quickly, uh, make a lot of poor decisions with regard to that. Like from a business standpoint, like it's probably like my biggest Achilles heel. Um, I, I want to go fast, but 
if I was going to do it over, I would take my time. And, and you guys can attest to this because this person who's getting ready to open a gym, and I actually have some people coming in town this week talking about opening a gym that are going to be in Virginia Beach for like three, four days. <clears throat> the resources and the information that is available to somebody who wants to open a gym, whether it's about how to finance your equipment, how to lease uh, a space, how to buy a space, how to develop your coaches, what systems you need, like where you should get your programming, what equipment you should buy, all of that stuff, all of that is available to you. It's so readily available. None of that stuff was available. When, it's, when all, any of us, when, it's all on best hour of the day. It's all best hour of the no. day. But what I'm saying is better, none of better, better hour. hour of the day. But none of that was available <laughs> 10 years ago when all of us opened. But let's be honest. No, all three of so, us made our own equipment in 2006, 7, 8. So, so yeah. let, me, let, me, let me propose this question. So what's left we talk about all these models where you have a business model and sales models and people realize that we have to beg, burn, and steal kind of from a globo gym scenario and we have to start marketing and selling and, you know, I, we get that. So what is lacking? And I'll tell you personally, going around, I do a lot of coach development stuff and where I see is we've kind of come full circle. And this is just me personally. We've kind of come full circle where when we started out, it was everybody tried to be the best coach ever. I read everything I could. I read every book. I went to every course. And it was just like, man, I know you guys did the same thing. And then the business was secondary. Now I feel like the coaching and, and the product that we give our athletes, the product of CrossFit or functional fitness, whatever you want to call it, has suffered. And it's taken a back seat because we want this business model to succeed. And there's this competition mode. I, that's is it really... now? Is it now that we've taken a reverse order of operations, Jay? Yeah. We're like now. It's like I've gotten back, and where I'm really, what I'm really helping affiliates with now is coming back to the same point that we came. It's like, man, we're failing at giving the product of CrossFit or whatever your fitness program is. That's what we're failing at. You know, you don't have bad coaches. You have coaches that can't give the product that you're trying to serve. I, I agree a hundred percent. People are putting the cart before the horse. The only uh, reason oh, I don't know, I disagree a little bit. Okay, that's fair, but for me, turn, his, I, that, I, I, turn, I, turn his mic off. So no, sorry. turn his mic off. This There's mic, no disagreeing. I this came down mic. here. Give me that thing. <laughs> yeah. so, no, I, I disagree, and I and I agree. okay. Go ahead. But, so I I agree in the fact that like idealistically, I agree with you that that should happen. But there is the practical sense of this is where like. There is no business without sales. Like there, it is fundamentally not a thing anymore. In 2007, you could open a gym, and be like, "Hey, we got a dungeon. You guys come in here. It sucks. We're gonna really kick your ass." That's in what face. Albany Crossroads. Yeah, that's what every gym was in 2008. Mm. Like, like you just didn't know any better. Nobody was a good coach at that point. That's not the case now. People have significant investment into their gyms. They're putting a hundred thousand dollars into the Gucci shit. They have AC in their spaces. Like, and people will pay for that. Now they are not paying for a hot, sweaty box. But they'll only anymore. pay for that. <clears throat> we were talking to a participant today. For how long? Right, exactly. They, they they're only going to pay for that until they realize that the quality of coaching they're getting. He let was me, basically asking us, let me "Should on. I work out of my garage because it's not worth what I'm paying a month?" But because I, but you're I paying with for that, so. renting bougie equipment, and so it's like, right, why well, am I going to pay? Well, and that's why people are like. They'll move up the street for $5 less. Yes, because you're offering the same things. Exactly. When you become the only person in town who's actually giving the product that they want, then you then you're your only show in town. You're the only person that's making it. Don't fight with me. Fight with Fern. He's I'm, the one I'm just being – I've given, given you the moxie and I'm sassing him. <laughs> but he's, I'm not looking at him. That's how I do he's, it. He's afraid. Don't <laughs> eye contact the Fern. But it's, it's, it's true. And, and I, I like think, we've I said think, before. I think, there, I think there's both. Right. So I think you, yes. I feel like what we're having is a conversation about the, the client that we would really like to have who cares only about the personal attention and all of that. But then we were talking about this today at the end of the seminar. Like there's a whole really massive population, some of which you really don't care how good of a coach you are, which is different than saying they don't want attention. Yeah. Attention is different, but they, anyone that's coming to CrossFit eventually wants to get fitter, wants to improve, and they'll only stay there for so long when they're not developing, whether it's get their muscle-ups or get stronger or look better naked. They will only continue to pay $150, $200 a month if they're getting there. If not, well, for two grand or less, you can fully equip your garage, and that's less than one year's membership. Yeah, I don't disagree But with we that. can, yeah, yeah. you know, rather than go on in circles, let's get to type John negative... Type John negative zero. 
what continuing education would you consider essential, maybe in order of importance, for new coaches? Besides your awesome podcasts on the whiteboard and scaling. Well, well thank that's you. That's it. That's, that's, that's where it, it just starts there. and ends right there with <laughs> our podcast. Yeah. What would you say? Let's all pick one thing. Somebody leaves their level one. They're coaching now. What's one thing you would tell them to do? Ooh. I mean, just I'm going to go with coach for six months and take your level two. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the immediate answer. Do you have any other seminar? I mean, like you said a few minutes ago, Donnie, all of us, I mean, in 2008 and nine. I probably took 10 specialty seminars because they weren't on the East Coast often. And when they were, I took every one, sometimes more than once. But I would still say the level two for your CrossFit coach is more valuable. I, I agree. But I, I think originally starting out, I think you, uh, you know, grab, an, grab, grab an anatomy book. You know, it's, I, I would say like, start from the basics. You know, if you, you know, the online anatomy course at CrossFit's great. Um, some cool guys that really developed that. Um, I think the other one would be that if you really start to dig in, there's a great book, Anatomy Without a Scalpel by Lon Kilgore. Um, just a great a book. book. And yeah, and it just kind of breaks up. It's like the cliff notes of an anatomy book. Like this it's is a, why. It's A&P for dummies. Right. Yeah. This is why. Is Lon paying you to promote that? Yeah, Lon's great, dude. Um, I don't know him personally, but we could have hugs. I feel like if we met, we'd, we'd hang out. Um, no, like a brilliant guy, but I feel like, ma'am, please. <laughs> Sorry, this lady. Uh, we're in the McDonald's, and I'm trying to do a thing right now. Good everything. You're better than this. But no, I think the biggest piece on that one is it's the, it's the. All right, so uh, this is the difference. It talks about anthropometrics. You know, like hey, like why do my limb links matter when I'm setting up on a deadlift? And it's things anatomy books don't cover, and this one does. Uh, anatomy without a scalpel, uh, Blonde Kilgore, I think is a great starting point for anybody who's pra- getting... I would describe it as practical. Anatomy. Yes, yeah. yes. Practical application. Inferno agreed 100%. All right, let's move on to Lambray Living. Great girl. She interned for a little bit for the seminar staff. She's going to be multiple questions. Okay. Apart from cleaning, what is the second most important task you can delegate so you can free up your time and spend it on the heart and soul of the business, sales, front desk, someone who can do both. So where would you, where's the first dollar you spend basically to free up your time? I think it depends on you. Yeah, I think it's personal. Yeah, I'd say one thing box owners need to do better is focus on what they're good at and actually what they like, which should be coaching. But I can tell you one thing I would think of really easily would be social media. Maybe marketing. unless Unless you're great at that. But if you're great at that, which I'm sure you are, most you can people, teach someone to be better at social media. It's hard to teach someone to be a better CrossFit coach. It depends. Like, I, I, again, like nobody – so we're talking about like if we're going to use – Are we going to uh, answer any of these questions? We are, right? So like <laughs> but my point is like if you're going to – let's use Chris Cooper's, you know, founder, farmer, tinker, thief, right? If, yep. if you're in that founder stage, like there, it's highly unlikely that anybody's going to sell your business like you are. So you probably need to stay in the sales for a little bit. So my metric is this, right? So if the first thing that you should get off of your plate, A, is the thing that you hate the most. Agreed. Right? So the thing, because you're probably not that good at it, which means somebody who probably likes that will do a better job at it. So if you look like, what should I get rid of most? Line up the 10 things that you love and hate. And the thing that is number one on the hate list, get rid of that first. Yeah, get rid, eliminate, automate, delegate. So yeah. either, either eliminate it because it's not net. Too many people automate things that should be eliminated. That's fair. Right? So eliminate first, what then go about... Exa- what would be an example of that? Uh, yeah, of eliminating... I'd have to think for, for the CrossFit space, it might be... You know, that could be a very simple answer of, well, we have a, a 7 a.m. class that only has two people. Well, should I automate it, basically meaning should I get someone else to coach it, or is it time to eliminate it? That's fair. And see okay. if they'll take the 6 a.m. Right? But it could be... We have uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, and we're... So stay there for a second. So if you want to do the math on that, how would you figure out how to do that? How if I should get rid of a class? Yeah. Well, I would probably... So use I, that exact okay, example. So you have the average of two people. Two it. people are showing up to the 7 a.m. every day. I would figure out who those two people are, and I would ask them if there's any other class they could attend. Yep. So just to make this practical, like how you would do a math equation here. So let's say on average, your, I mean, your, if your you membership wanna, is what? So if you want to really break it down to math, you'd say, okay, well, those memberships are 150 each, so, so 300, 300 a month. Right. I offer that class five days a week. I'm paying someone 
$20, which is cheap, right? That, that class is effectively costing you $400 a month, but you're only getting $300 from those two members. That, that's how you would do the math. And that, that, that's, what was important. that's why I thought it was important to cover that so that that's not an emotional decision. That's a, literally a math equation. Right, but even better would be, well, hey, can you come to the 6 a.m. instead? Or can you come to the 7 p.m.? Mm-hmm. You know, so you see that a lot. Now, of course, because now, you, always, because now you don't lose 300 bucks, or maybe you only lose one. But, but you cut 400 Exactly. And that's not always the same two people. But I would certainly think about that. You know, then a more simple one would be like, hey, we have all these social media. Rather than trying to automate Snapchat, maybe just eliminate. Is Snapchat doing anything for your, for your box? Or do you just, you know, send nudie pics to your friends? Donnie. <laughs> I don't know who you've been talking to. <laughs> All right, let's go to her second question. What is the one thing you still find yourself working on as a coach, entrepreneur, person, and what do you do to keep improving this aspect? I'll, I'll kick off. The one thing I'm always still working on is empathy. And that's mostly as a person for my wife because I enjoy having sex with her. And when I listen and I'm more em- empathic, she has Empathetic. more. No, no. Idea. I looked it up. They're 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 the same word, empathic and empathetic. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> so, but for me, but even just you have sex with somebody <laughs> like a live person. <laughs> Sometimes she's Jay. Thinking. Like, look at you. Like, look at him blushing. Is this a real person? Like live people. But but even still, I do struggle at times. To this day, even when we talk about it all the time in classes, like, dude, just pick up the fucking bar. You know, like those types of things. And, and I think there's time in a place. No, but I mean, like, that. forgetting, like, I really, I'll give you an example. It there's could come a, off brash. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, and I rarely do that. But even lately, for example, there's a woman, Rosa, in our gym, and her back's been bothering her. And sometimes I, it's, it's never verbalized, and I love Rosa, but in, internally, you're like, really, does your back hurt? Like, in, internally. Yeah. And, like, to be there and, and empathize and be like, okay, she works hard all the time. I don't think she wants her back to hurt any more yeah. than, you know, she's expressing. She's willing to scale it. But even just eliminating that initial sudden reaction. Yeah. What would you, how do you, do you remember the question? What's one thing you're working on, Donnie? I'm still like back at Jason has sex with like real people. <laughs> like a woman. Is it a woman? Yeah. I'm excited I'm about pretty it. sure. Yeah. I can't you, know, be, you can never enough, be sorry. Don't put that evil on Ross. You know, I mean... I, you know, I think <laughs> I think I would flow to that. I think some of the things that uh, came easier to me, I, I, I flowed to the seeing and correcting a little easier than most. And some of those things were easier for me. So a lot of the things coming from a military background, uh, and de- definitely the empathy thing was there to, to piggyback on yours, Jason. But for me, it, it became just how to interact with human beings, I think, was, was a big you know, challenge oftentimes for me. To, you should work harder at that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> but I think to, to truly, um, to truly try to care about them, you know, to have a conversation with somebody, uh, you know, and I know you had Chuck on here, but talk about, you know, the, the, not only, you know, what's the next question, you know, what's the next question you could ask, but, but do you care to ask the next question? That's a, you know, really, you know, like that's that the one, is it just loaded of just like, you know, like, where are you from? Spokane. Is that Washington? What'd you do up there? You know, like, do you care about this person, you know, enough to dig in to really to find something? What, yeah, yeah, to find those real pieces of their life so you can try to make a change, you know, for the better in them. Do you care about these people? Because if you don't, this, if you don't care about those people, this job, whether you're an affiliate owner, where you work for CrossFit HQ, whether you work at the Bally's becomes very quickly, you know, Hitting hitting the time card, you know, at the factory, and I, that would be my my biggest thing that that you know, like, you know, how do you how do you really meet people on their personal level, you know, by just simply caring about them as individuals? What about you, Fern? I'll go a little bit more broad on that, which is so I agree with you guys hundred percent. But if, if we're gonna zoom out a little bit, I, I would treat it like my fitness, right? So I think what you what I need to be working on or what anybody needs to be working on depends on what season of your life you're in. Right. So what I would tell you is like seven or eight years ago, like I needed to work on seeing and correcting and running classes. And that's not where I need to spend the majority of my time anymore. Where I need to spend the majority of my time is debatable. Yeah. That's actually (laughs) where I need to spend, you know, where I need to spend the majority of my time is, is more on the business end of it because the reality is like 
I can see incorrect. Like that, that, that is now the easiest part of my day is walking into a class and running a class of 25, you know, like, or developing my coaches or learning to be a better leader. Right. So I think it depends. So I think you need to evaluate yourself just like you would if you were evaluating yourself as an athlete be like, where's my weak link? And if, and if it's not coaching, then find out what it is, because that's probably the thing that's holding you back, whether it's your beliefs or like, whether it's your mindset or any of that stuff. Like, I think you need to do a pretty honest evaluation and figure out like, what, what do I suck at? Well, we got one more from Caroline. And I, I really like this question. When mentoring new coaches rank the six characteristics, qualities of a great coach and justify your order. And she piggybacks on there. And for presence and attitude, how do you help coaches develop that? So what Caroline's talking about is there's six criteria to an effective coach, teach, see, correct, presence, attitude, group management, demonstration. She wants us to rank those six in order and then also explain how you could teach presence and attitude. I don't know that you can. Yeah, I, that's you, you, could, you could develop some skills, but like you, there's, 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 there's definitely certain people that have it. And certain people that need to try to develop or, or just not suck at it. That, that's my experience. No, right? I think that's certainly the case. And I think you could do things. You can go to like public speaking courses, which help. But if you go back to some of our older episodes about learning names, mm-hmm. you know, that really also let's is do this. a trick. Let's first let, – what's number one and what's okay, number let's do, six? Let's, do, let's a, do one and six. Well, let's one, do one and a, six first. Let's do this as a group. That's what I'm saying. So let's establish what's the number one and what's the last one. I think that presence and attitude might be number one. I, I would agree. What do you think, Donnie? Who are you, who are you sexting over there? I think presence and attitude might be number one. What do you think? He's going to say something else just to be contrarian. Yeah. <laughs> look at you and your big words. <laughs> Let me look that up on Google real quick. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to agree, but maybe for the reasons that are different from you guys. What would be the reason, then? Oh, man. I, I agree that for presence and attitude, for me, because it comes easiest. And the reason this I is not, say, not for you though. That's no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, um, so, I, so I say that twofold. It comes easy for me, so it was the easiest to develop and kind of take to uh, the next level. Okay. I kind of set myself apart and kind of develop those under things. But if it's also a weaker area, it may be something that you need to put a lot more attention on because it's what is noticed. First and most readily, when you walk into a gym, when you meet somebody in person, nobody, as Jason said already, hey, nobody, I love that you guys are both Jason because I'm never wrong. That's special. True. But, you know, am I talking to you or you? Nobody knows. But I think the big ticket there is like nobody sees that if you don't have the ability to teach the incorrect, nobody really knows. You know, if you move like a bag of poop, we can see it. So you're but, talking about I said that last weekend. Yeah. After the well, I obviously day listened, two workout. And so said yeah. what? You said what? Basically what Donnie was saying. I, I taught the day two workout and said, you know, to the participants, you're all gonna leave here really shitty coaches. So was I. So was Donnie. So was Abby. You know, that's who was I there. And I was good. You, yes. know, you, you weren't at the seminar <laughs> last weekend. But then, you know, but I followed it up with Donnie saying, but you can mask a lot of that. By caring yeah, what's your, and having what's your veil, you know, what's your, how so do you hide that? that? So that's, uh, so to answer that question very directly, number one, I think is presence and attitude. And how do you teach that? I think we covered a lot of that, like the baseline level stuff, like the easy low hanging fruit and the empathy, and the, em- I agree the empathy with that. episode, right? Like, so go listen to that. There's a lot of very practical examples of like how to strive to start to develop that skill. Um, and then for me, I'm, for number six, if we're just going to try to book in this real quick. Okay, so go down to number six now. Demonstration. Agree. I was, yeah. As soon as you said go to number six now, demonstration, your ability to demonstrate movement. Yeah. However, what if we throw in there also leading by example because that's kind of demonstration. Yeah, but yeah. I mean it, it's, I it's, it's the least important skill with regard right. to being able yeah, to teach, Yeah, right? and we were saying they're all important. We're ranking six very important things. yeah. yeah. So you don't think demonstration is sixth, Donnie? Depending on the depending on where you're at, but you know I lean and and then again like what you do, but I lean so much on the ability to to give visual cues and you know to really kind of portray what I want these athletes to see that it plays and they're almost one you know it's so interlinked with correcting and being able to make that discernible change with my athlete. I would almost put you know group management you know a little bit behind that. Um, because you're talking about being able to make a discernible change in your athlete versus like 
maybe you finish your class on time or how people are logistically spent. You know, that, there again, like, but, you know, at the same token, I could sit there and tell you why presence and attitude might be last. You know, so yeah, it's such well, a, I, that's so such a loaded I, I, question. So well done, Caroline. I, I think, yeah. you, you saucy minx. I, I think, Is I, it a I think from a, yes. pra- okay. yeah, yeah. I think, I think from a practical standpoint, like from a new coach, because I think like the demonstration, the, the seeing and correcting the teaching, like those are skills that just take time. The, the other ones just like, hey, presence and attitude, learn people's names, be a little more peppy, ask more questions, demonstration. There's so many ways to work around that. Correct. That you can develop that over time. And, and we're ranking those six. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. so let's go number two. I think number two, personally, I'm going to go to group management because I think it following the presence and attitude, I think it's the thing that you could develop the most quickly if, I, if the other three options are teaching, seeing, and correcting. So I'm going in order of like, which one can I acquire the fastest well, from, a, from a standpoint? Pardon right, me. So, so from a practical standpoint, here's, here's, here's what athletes understand and what they don't understand, right? So the athletes in your class know if the class was a shit show. They don't know if you saw and taught and correct very well. Fair, fair point. I, I would say, I was going to say correcting as number two, but then very quickly I'm like, well, you have to be able to see to be able to correct. Right. So... And then my, my backup was group management because you're right. Organization and a good time. Can mask a lot right. of things. It's not that it's more important than keeping your athletes safe. It can mask a lot of things. But it can mask a lot of things. So if we go presence and attitude, group management, we've already put demonstration low. So now we have – how do we rank teaching, teaching seeing, and correcting? I think for me personally it's teaching. Well, yeah, because you can't – it doesn't matter – if you're going to correct, if your athletes don't know what they're doing. Correct. So we're going teaching, seeing, and then correcting. Uh, yeah, I think it has to go in that order. All right, yeah. there we go. We've answered that question. Let's go on. we got some a few more good ones. From winter underscore mind. How can gyms encourage athletes to write down their times scores after every wad? I feel these small details make us better and more fit. It is about accountability. I guess my first question is that not happening. Evidently, virtually, I obviously, yeah, yeah. probably like a I virtual think thing. Back in the day, I mean, we had a whiteboard. I don't know how you guys, Do you guys started. still use a whiteboard or no? At North Naples CrossFit, we have their workouts are on a, cool. a platform, but yeah. then we write them on the whiteboard. I refuse to get rid of the whiteboard. I think a whiteboard needs to remain part of the CrossFit culture. Yeah, agreed. You agree with that, Donnie? Yeah. So you know, back how do you the, do it? So that's the question. He's like, how? Yeah, do you I mean, get this is really that? simple. It's on the coach. Me, you know, we have seven to eight classes any given day at North Naples CrossFit. I would say most of the time the coach reminds the athletes, but it's on them. Me personally, when I'm done coaching, Fern, what'd you get? Donnie, what'd you get? That's the easiest way to do it. That's how I do it. And yeah. for that reason, A, I don't want all my athletes sweaty touching my markers. Yeah, that's that's part of it. It's like, I don't need your germ. We already get germs everywhere. B, I should be able to do that. It gives me a reason to make sure I'm staying with every athlete, looking at the clock, pushing them towards the end. And then I'll write, you know, if I remember if they've hit it RX or not, that's less important than just, just I get their, yeah. yeah. I put it, this is an interesting question because back in the day, I don't know how you guys were, but that was kind of a priority. I was like, I was trying to get everybody's times on the board. Like as they were finishing, I was like trying to run over there and do that. I don't know if you guys did that or not. Oh, I would do that. And I would take a picture of it and post it. So people can keep track of their scores because it was before all the you know, So apps. I bring that up because I now I know this. I have the, the benefit of hindsight. You guys know this. So I just kind of asked the, the listeners this question. If that is what you're doing in the tail end of a workout, then you're definitely not doing something else. Yeah, you're not coaching. <laughs> you're details. Not coaching. Don't be caught up in the details. Now, you know, in fairness, I'm not necessarily standing at the whiteboard watching. I might... Be next to Donnie, and as soon as he's done, say his time and go run to the board. Yeah, no, and I bring that up because I don't, I don't think some people think about that. They, they think that getting the times on the board is more important, just out of pure ignorant bliss, right? They're just like, oh, it's, I got to get these times on the board. Like you can do it at another time, like when they're cool down, exactly like yeah, oh, just ask which, which is perfect. Like when they're stretching, be like, I'm going to call your name out, tell me your time. Yeah, I think that's the best. And sometimes way to do if it. there's a strength piece, what'd you what'd you lift and what'd you yeah. get on the metcon? I think that's yeah, the best. That's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I mean. Obviously, we're assuming you have a whiteboard. If you don't have a whiteboard, you're not going to log into each person's account and put their score up. But that's, again, 
you know, make it easy for them. Have a computer designated yeah. to logging scores. Yeah. All right, we got a three-parter. We got two more, two more questions. Two more people asking questions. Kendra Pickens, one. What is your biggest regret pertaining to CrossFit? Ooh. I'm going to tell you mine. Go ahead. Not competing in the 2008 CrossFit Games. Because you could just walk up and do it. Because you could just walk up and do it. I would have done relatively well. It was Fran, a chest to bar Fran, a deadlift burpee workout, and then the one mile run, I would have gotten my ass whooped. But then the second day was the 30 squat clean and jerks at 155. Yeah. And, you know, I did them all at the box in the two days around the, you know, 2008. It wasn't streaming. You had to hit refresh and see the leaderboard. But I did all the workouts. And I would have been like in the top maybe 15 to 20. You know, granted, I was doing it in my... Like a skilled division? No. Swimming. Swimming. I was doing it in my box. I was not getting judged. I'll give you that. But I was fit in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe you. (laughs) We're on your side. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a... You're the fittest person in your box at that that time of the day. Big fish, small I think that would be my easy regret to go to. What about you, Donovan? God, I don't Ronald, even know. That's a loaded one, man. Ronald, Ronald is, it, is it gears to, like, that was kind of an athletic, like, you know, whoa. I mean, is there, she just uh, talked about in CrossFit as a whole? I would say if, if we're talking about coaching specifically for me, it would be delaying my development as a coach to grow the business. So actually, that ties in, you know, yeah. I just relied on my presence and attitude, relied on the fact that I was the only box in town. And then when I was trying to get on staff, I struggled with seeing and correcting, right? Because I didn't work on it from 2007 to 2010. It was just, I was a great, fun coach to be, but I wasn't necessarily a good coach. Yeah, I, um, I'll, I'll piggyback on that, Jason, because I think I was exactly the opposite. You know, as far as like my business savvy was nil, you know, I didn't think that was important. I thought if I was the best coach in town, they'd come running, you know, and I feel like, so I guess my biggest regret, and this would probably piggyback on you is, you know, to what you're saying is, is find those things that you are weak at, have that, you know, honest assessment with yourself and kind of attack those things. The same thing if you're like, man, I deadlift like a small child. I need to get on a damn weightlifting cycle. You know, the the same things. If you can't do, if you know you have those problems, like, hey, read a book on, you know, on the anatomy, like we talked about, read a book on marketing, if that's where you're really focusing. And don't be afraid. I I tell my kids this all the time. Um, Don't be afraid to ask for help. We talked about the resources that are available to you now, but I think there's so many people that you can, that have done it, have failed at it, could have done it better, that will tell you how they could have done it better out there that are, and, and, because CrossFit's such a good open source model, it's okay to just be like, hey, I, I don't know how to do this. How would you do this? And there's so many people like you two that will just give it freely like you are now. We're, we're, we're charging the you best this hour money. of your day. We're charging you for this. Money. I'm charging you guys. <laughs> let Is me, this going to cancel itself out? Let me well, ask so Donnie. But, that, but that's a good example because, like, for instance, like if you're in the Charlotte area and you're worried about developing your coaches and you don't know that Donnie does coach development, like, let me be the first to tell you that, like, you should reach out to Donnie because that is largely what he's doing with his time at this point is, like, spending time doing coach development with some right. gyms. Like, yeah, you need to – obviously, if you're in the Charlotte area, but – reach out to Donnie, but in general, reach out to someone better than you. I mean, I think that is a very deep lesson that most people don't ever learn of not being afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do want to ask you a question. A pr- be, being prideful. I would say that's my, you know, come on, being prideful. So I have a perfect example of that. So I was, I feel the same way now because I'm a little I'm marginally smarter than I was about business 10 years ago. Marginal. I say marginally, like in a very serious manner, but I don't, I'm not going to beat myself up for not working on things that I was ignorant that I needed to work on, right? So you don't know what you don't know. Right. So I'm not going to be like, oh, I couldn't have done that. One thing I do regret very much so is when I took my level two in like 2011. Like I was, I did not volunteer to to run the groups. Like I was hesitant to do that because I was egotistical about. Didn't like, you I didn't, have to do it? You did, but like I, I was, I was not like in a hurry to get evaluated. Like I was egotistical and didn't want to have my my dreams shattered, so I was just like, "I'll go when they ask me to go," um, and I probably missed out on a ton of good feedback that could have fast forwarded my coach development. So, 
that I do regret a whole lot because I had Pat Sherwood, Matt Chan, Chris Spieler, mm. and I think maybe one other person, but it might have been just been those three guys. And I was, studs. and I was, yeah, and I was hesitant to get feedback because I was more afraid of being butt hurt than than just having them tell me, "Hey, you can get better at this." Donnie, did you take the old level two? The old school one? Yes. And you took the old, old one as well, Fern? No. So this this was like right after they did that, they changed it to the old... Uh, CPC? CPC, yeah. Donnie, what I was going to ask you earlier is we always ask our guests a favorite book of theirs. Do you, you mentioned that at Kilgore book, but do you have another book that you recommend people check out? Ooh... As far as on potentially just coaching development. No, just life, like your favorite book. Ooh. Come back to me. All right, we'll come back come to back me. Come back to me on the Let's book. get to Beth Vandemark Sebi. So many questions, That's LOL. That's a long question. This is here. from the CrossFit Affiliate Owners Only Group. I will start with one I am currently struggling with in my own gym. We have a great community, great coaching, great programming, etc. Everyone is happy. However... However, is in capitals. Yeah. We have a small segment of our population that comprises a huge percentage of one class time, 9.30 a.m., which is, for lack of a better term, easily distracted by the bright, shiny new forms of fitness their friends are doing. So, for three months, Sally is absent from CrossFit on a regular basis and posting about this amazing spin class she is taking. And Brenda only comes twice a week so she can shake it up a bit with this unbelievable hanging scarf yoga Pilates circus, whatever she and her BFF are doing. This question is much longer than I thought. Yeah, yeah. None of these gals are canceling their memberships, but their presence is very much missed. I've seen over time that eventually they come back in full force. So I'm not panicked about it. Just wondering if you have ever experienced the same, and if there are any tactics you have employed to successfully re-engage members who may have become a bit disengaged. I'm a strong believer in support of any kind of fitness, and happier members are exploring additional avenues, but at the same time know that there are very real frustration and not making progress as quickly as they would like is because they are not coming consistently. She goes on to give us her background and a few other things, but this is a great, deep question. Dude, I think I was with... Yeah, I think this is an introspective question that some people don't actually want the answer to. Can, can, can I? Can I? Can I? Dude, go ahead. Because yeah. I think I, I'm. Because I'm going to go. I think you're going to smash somebody, and I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to pump it up for my girl here for a minute. I turn that negative into a positive. No, I think that's. And, and, I think it's great that her members are doing. Well, that. and it's like, because you it's shouldn't like, be upset about that. I don't think. No, it's like because particularly I would look if they're not canceling like, yeah. <laughs> Why? You know exactly. That needle's still moving, as we already talked about earlier. But also, I would think. To, the, to that same point, it's like, man, that would be a time to be like, yeah. And you know why they're successful? Because their foundation's here. And guess what they're coming back to here? We've set them and we've pushed their fitness so much that they're able to branch out and do those things. That's what CrossFit is. They're able to do that known and unknown events. They're able to go out there and ski with one leg, you know, and do scarf fitness. Yeah, yeah right. and take that class and probably smash it. And the other, And at the other side of the coin, it's like, Nobody really wants to talk about this, but they're doing that jazz because it makes them sweat a little bit, and that shit ain't as hard as Fran. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, nobody, I don't want to come in and run the Fran. I don't want to come in and run Helen, but I would love to go in and bike for 30 minutes. Yeah, bike for 30 minutes. We have to acknowledge if you are not, if you are resistant to the idea that fitness in in general is a novelty industry. You're you're just willfully ignorant, right? Like people gravitate towards novelty, but like that's how it works in the fitness industry. Like it works in a cyclical process, you know. Like so, you have to acknowledge that that people are going to want to do other things. You know, like everybody gets burnt out on CrossFit eventually, depending on how they approach CrossFit. So let them do that. Figure out how maybe you could offer those services and keep them in house. Great point. But also test them. Be like, did they come back fitter? Or better off. That's another good point. Yeah. And, it, you know, and also test to make sure you're right that they are actually coming back. Right. Are you maybe losing it? Like, are some sneaking through the cracks and you're losing them? Because then you do have a problem. But I agree. There's a shelf life. I th- you know, the three of us are unique in that I really think all we've done is cross for our primary form of fitness for the yeah. last decade. 
Um, but a lot of people need that. You know, some people will find a marathon to run. Some people will, will pop in some spin classes, but understand that. And, and I do think part of it that's not been touched is if they perceive that they're not getting fitter and making progress, they're going to look elsewhere. And so Austin Begeeving brought this up last weekend. At the, so, you know, somebody brought up in the program lecture at the level two about like, you know, nobody shows up for the, for the 5k when I schedule it. And we know we want to, you know, we want to test that capacity. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody bring this up. And he, and he, and this is a tough pill to swallow, right? Which is like, Hey, listen, if Chris Henshaw showed up to your gym on 5k day, everybody, everybody's showing up. Right. And then the question is why? Why? Because he's teaching them how to run. He's spending time on that thing that you probably just come in and be like, all right, guys, we're going to run a 5k, you know? So like, it's Such not a great point. It's not that they don't want to do those things is because the, the reality is like, and I'm fully guilty of this. So I'm not poking her in the eye. You're not providing value on those days. No. Well, here's yeah. what I was going to say. Mike Bergner or Chris Henshaw or somebody else shows up on the day, the whole gym's showing up, bro. Like the truth is, it used to be the old, like, you know, back in the day with, you know, like, I would be like, how far would you drive to go to Mike's gym, to go to Coach Bergner's gym? Like, how far was too far? For you? I was like, I was like, if I was within an hour of him, I would go to that gym. I would bypass five gyms, and that's the kind of product that you have yeah. to be giving your athletes. But I'll also throw this. Or trying I'll to I'll throw this wrinkle to her, Jason. Um, and I don't. I haven't seen her program. I don't know what it is. But has your program become a strength metcon and routine? And if it's become, it's not fun anymore, and it's not varied enough. If you're varying that program, it should be fun and exciting and new, and that will keep people coming in. But if you're constantly doing the old school, hey, we're gonna do a ten to fifteen minute EMOM AMRAP after our weightlifting. That gets old and that's routine and people will want to lead versus, hey man, I don't know if I'm going to come in and we're going to lift heavy weights or we're going to run or we're going to row or we're going to sprint long, short, dumbbells. If you're keeping that varied, I think you can keep that exercise ADD that we talked about down a little bit. You can definitely do it. I don't know. All right. Last question. All right. Size 24 underscore CrossFit. Let's see what location it is. Size 24 CrossFit. This is in another country because I can't read this. It's just the metric system? Or but the question is in English. Is it worth it to open a second location? If so, <laughs> when do you think is the best moment God. in an affiliate's timeline? Oh. I saved this one for last because we've all been there. We've all done that. Yeah. My answer is most of the time it's not Never. worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. What do you think, Donnie? No. <laughs> I think you can only be at one place at one time, and I, I that's think, all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I think, and I, I think anybody who's been through Two Brain, like they they cover this in pretty pretty good detail, and there there's some metrics that you there's some very objective things you should be able to do in order to open a second affiliate. So the first one is like cash flow, the money and all that stuff, like it should be there to facilitate that. The systems have to be in place. Like if you cannot leave your gym for one month and have the gym not just run, but grow in revenue and have maybe programs start up on their own, if it is not a self-sustaining beast that you do not have to go to, it is highly probable that you should not open a second affiliate. There's your answer. Yeah, like, very well done. That's it. All right, guys. We answered a whole bunch of questions. Donnie, it was great having you. Yeah, bro. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are awesome, man. I'm going to pull that other yeah. podcast out of the archive. Oh, my it. God. That was terrible. <laughs> did you guys really record it? We did one. Yeah, we, did we had one. to cut it. It was like, a, it was like an hour. Out. Donnie had somewhere to go. What was this? Donnie had to go talk to a lawyer about his second affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> it is a true story. <laughs> there you go. Don't open a second affiliate. Yeah. So thank you guys all for the questions. Thanks, Donnie, for being here. It was a blast. We got to get some rest. We got day two tomorrow. Donnie's got a busy day of doing nothing again. I'm doing some stuff. (laughs) Taking a water break during the press's (laughs) demo. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment. Head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use 
and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us, and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.